Me, Myself, and I, a Nintendo podcast, is a passion project brought to you by a fellow gamer just like yourself. To support this podcast, follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Subscribe to Hitbox Detective on YouTube, and follow me on Twitter at Hitbox Detective. I know everyone says this, but I truly mean it when I say your support means the world to me. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. As many of you know, the Russian military has invaded Ukraine. I wanted to take a moment at the start of the show to acknowledge that and say that my heart goes out to the Ukrainian people. Before we talk about video games for the next hour or so, let's take a 10 second moment of silence out of respect for all those affected by the invasion. Hello and welcome. This is episode 11 of Me, Myself, and I, a Nintendo podcast. I'm your host, Ben, aka Hitbox Detective. For first-time listeners, I was a childhood Nintendo fan that recently re-entered the Nintendo ecosystem, and this is a weekly podcast where I discuss Nintendo news, share what I've been playing, and end on a segment I like to call Switch It Up, where I check out the Nintendo Switch online game library and suggest a game for you all to check out. New episodes go live everywhere on Mondays at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That way, you can start your week off on the right foot, no matter how early you have to wake up for work. This is still a relatively new podcast, and I would like to answer listener questions, comments, and concerns. So if you would like to write into the show, you can do so by emailing me at memyselfandi.pod at gmail.com, leave a comment on a YouTube video, or tweet at me on Twitter at HitboxDetective. Um, it's been kind of a crazy week. Uh, I've been working a lot uh, at the day job, uh, still working on my Days Gone retrospective. Uh, but in addition to all of that, oh, I feel like I got a sneeze coming. Let's see if I can stifle it. People told me if you said watermelon, it would go away. So watermelon. Uh, I think it worked. All right. Um, well, in the middle of the week, I attended a hands-off demo for Sea of Stars by Sabotage Studio. I'm under embargo, so I can't talk about it now, uh, but my impressions and Q&A will go live on lordsofgaming.net tomorrow. That's, well, tomorrow based on the day you would be listening to this, uh, Tuesday, March 1st at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So um, that's the day and the time that that goes live. Um, I'm really excited about that uh, going live. So uh, go over to lordsofgaming.net or follow them on Twitter, and uh, you'll find out when that goes live or follow me on Twitter as well. And I'll retweet it when the article comes up, but definitely go follow Lords of gaming as well. Uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, what I like about writing with them is it's enthusiast press, you know, it's, uh, it's people that really like care about video games and play video games and aren't just, uh, you know, they're not jaded and people that have been in the industry for a really long time. And, kind of dabble in video games, but speak on them authoritatively. Uh, that's becoming sort of like a tired perspective, I think, on the internet in terms of games media. And what I like about Lords of Gaming is that it's a lot of people that, you know, they work day jobs and they just care about games so much that they want to write about them. And uh, that's what they're doing over there. So if you want to take in media like that, um, it's available. And Lords of Gaming is a great website to visit. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a writer there. I, uh, was reading them for a while before I started uh, writing for them. So it's worth checking out. Um, 
I have, like I said, been hard at work on my Days Gone retrospective. I've had a couple of hiccups along the way. Um, mainly, like, one time I said biker gang instead of biker game. And so I had to, like, instead of re-recording it and trying to f- fit it in. and Because basically what I'll do is I'll do my narration. I'll drop that in. And then I'll go through and put the music in. And, um, that way I can get like a tone and EQ everything and make sure everything sounds good. But, uh, when you do that, if you notice a mistake after the fact, like after you've done all of that, you have to either go in and like, you have to re-record it and drop it in and redo all that work or basically do what I did and try to find a version of me saying game that I could slot into that spot where I said gang and make it fit. And, uh, I kind of, I think I pulled it off. I I don't know if anybody will notice, but if you do notice it when the video goes live, leave a comment down below. Uh, (laughs) but I'm hard at work on that. It's coming along really nicely. I'm really excited about it. Um, my retrospectives tend to perform better than any other video I do. And if that's going to be the case with this one, I'm really happy with how it's turning out. So, um, that'll be cool. Um, I've got, uh, when I finish this, and I finished the retrospective, um, I basically have carte blanche to start playing Elden Ring, uh, which I know isn't on Nintendo Switch, and to be fair, neither is Days Gone. But, um, you know, I I do cover and talk about gaming on every platform. Uh, So, you know, I do have interest outside of Nintendo, but I want to do this Nintendo podcast um, and still talk about games that aren't on Nintendo because I feel like Nintendo is kind of a gaming platform that you buy and own to play Nintendo games and like indie games and stuff that suits the Switch and like handheld gaming. Um, But I feel like most people aren't just playing on Switch. They have another console and stuff. So I like to sprinkle in little bits of uh, games that I'm playing that aren't necessarily on the Switch. Um, But I'm still waiting for Kirby. I feel like I'm just like waiting patiently for that uh, and trying to buy my time with everything else. There's going to be like a little window of time after I work on my Elden Ring project that I'm planning where I have some downtime if I don't like put another project on myself to play horizon, uh, forbidden West. And out of that, I may end up having something that I want to do with horizon that I end up just getting to, uh, do something with it anyway. But there's going to be a little down spot where I get to play horizon. And, uh, that'll be like right before I play Kirby and the forgotten land. So, um, I'm really looking forward to Kirby and there'll probably be a review discussion on the web, on the, for the a review discussion episode for the podcast for that. Um, because I'm not really doing like written reviews for these things. Um, mostly because I don't know if I'm allowed to yet with, uh, Lords of gaming. And so, yeah, I mean, in terms of, uh, me writing a review or doing anything like that, I'll probably make a video, uh, but there'll also be a review discussion where maybe I can tap somebody at Lords of Gaming to jump on the podcast and do that with me. Um, but yeah, that's basically what's going on. Um, we don't have much in the way of news, but let's go ahead and jump in. Our first topic today is Nintendo acquired long-running partner uh, SRD Co. Limited. 
Uh, and this is a story per, uh, from gamesindustry.biz. Uh, James Batchelor over there wrote it. I'm going to go ahead and just read this. It's a quick article, but it'll uh, bring you up to speed on what this means. I think, well, I'll give my thoughts after. Um, Tokyo-based firm has worked with, uh, or sorry, SRD is a Tokyo-based firm that has worked with the platform holder on games dating back to Donkey Kong and Super Mario Bros. Nintendo has made a rare acquisition, officially making one of its long-running development partners an internal studio. Tokyo-based SRD Co. Limited uh, will be wholly owned by Nintendo, and the deal is expected to close on April 1st, 2022. Hopefully it's not an April Fool's joke. Uh, no sum was disclosed, so we don't know how much they acquired them for. The company is led by director and president uh, Toshihiko Nakago. Nakago? I hope I pronounced that right. I apologize if I didn't. And has been working with Nintendo for almost 40 years. SRD has assisted with the programming and development of first-party games as far back as the NES versions of Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., as well as the iconic titles like Super Mario Bros. and The Legend of Zelda. In fact, an Awada Asks interview reveals that SRD was entrusted with building a test version of a Mario game where the Nintendo mascot could jump higher than his Mario Bros. counterpart, leading to Super Mario Bros. SRD's most recent project was last year's Game Builder Garage. According to the official notice, the acquisition will strength, um, strength to serve the management base of SRD and secure the availability of software development resources for Nintendo. The acquisition is expected to have only a minor effect on Nintendo's financial results. Nintendo rarely acquires external studios, with the most recent example being last year's purchase of Vancouver-based studio Next Level Games, the team behind Luigi's Mansion 3. Last week, we explored why ongoing industry consolidation may force Nintendo's hand in securing its most valuable partners. And that last bit there is really, um, I think, what this comes down to. Um, We've seen like um, development, like games industry consolidation happening from uh, the Bethesda acquisition by Microsoft, the Activision acquisition, the Aquavision. <laughs> I Sorry, I keep making that same stupid joke, and I pr- I'm pretty sure everyone hates it. But I we, we've seen these acquisitions happening, and it's not just Microsoft. Um, PlayStation acquired uh, Bungie. And there's a bunch of others, but we don't have to list everything off. And I, we've been kind of sitting back watching Nintendo kind of just wait. And they said that they wanted to take their money and invest further in their studios. And I think just locking down SRD is probably a good move. It's SRD is one of those studios that I, I, I feel like it's an odd mystery for gamers to actually even know who makes the Legend of Zelda and uh, Super Mario Brothers and all of these games that we we love and care about. But, you know, sometimes I I think about it and you go, who makes, what development studio makes Super, like Super Mario Bros or The Legend of Zelda? And I think most people just go, oh, well, Nintendo does. But it's been SRD. And I think them locking them down, it's kind of a surprise that they didn't already have them locked in as a first party studio. That to me is maybe the bigger surprise than them actually securing them, but um, hey, shout out to them. I think 
you know, I, I don't think any studio like SRD would go off and develop something for another platform. And so I don't think they're doing this out of fear that Microsoft or somebody might try to swoop in and buy them up and try to get Legend of Zelda on PlayStation or something like that. I, that's n- never going to happen. It never was going to happen. Um, but I think it just bodes well for uh, Nintendo to just go ahead and do that and make them a uh, you know flush with cash and have the ability to really uh, make the games that they want to make and make the games that Nintendo wants them to make. Uh, so shout out to them. Uh, that's a, you know I'm sure it's an exciting time for them over there and it's kind of a no brainer on Nintendo's point or part to do that. Um, but um, that, that's kind of really my only thoughts on it. it uh, it's just, uh, you know, prob- probably about time that they did it, really, at, at the end of the day. That's, uh, you know, the, uh, to me, this wasn't like a groundbreaking acquisition, you know, uh, like something like Activision being purchased by Microsoft, um, or at least getting the conversation going with that, because uh, the deal hasn't closed, so it could still fall through. And um, it, uh, I don't know. This isn't of the same uh, same nature to me. I think this makes a little bit more sense and uh, is no surprise to anybody. That's why I don't think you see like the internet like going crazy over it. It's almost kind of felt like a fart in the wind when the news came out. Like. Uh, nobody really seemed to care. Uh, but I was like, oh, cool, right on. <laughs> um, but moving on, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask is now available on Switch Online's expansion pack. Um, let's see. In an update on social media, Nintendo has confirmed the moon will come crashing down next week on February 25th. Um, if you haven't had a chance to play The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, this, you know, this is a good way to jump into it. Um, I kind of have a weird story with Majora's Mask. It's a game that I remember I had at N64, and I was living in Newport, Ritchie, Florida, and there was a blockbuster that I would go to and rent games at. And I remember, you know, basically what would happen is a Friday would come along, and my mom would be like, hey, on the way home from work, I'm going to stop at Blockbuster. Uh, do you want me to rent anything for you? And what it would always end up happening is my mom would <laughs> either pick me up because I couldn't, I was like, a mom, I want to go with you. So she'd have to like come home and pick me up and take me there. Or she would uh, call me on her like Kyocera cell phone <laughs> back in the day and call me and like list off what she was seeing on the racks. Uh, but Majora's Mask was one where she came and picked me up and took me to the store and uh, I w- walked through and I saw the cover and was like, ooh, I know I know about Legend of Zelda. Like, let me try this. And I was oddly, like, scared when I played it. And I played it for, like, maybe, like, a couple of hours and I was like, what's this time thing? And uh, Majora's Mask is probably the weirdest Legend of Zelda game. It, I think it bucks the trend of what Legend of Zelda games are more than any other Legend of Zelda. Um, so um, I, I took it back, I think, Saturday morning uh, with my mom and got something else. Um, but it's a cool game, and I I want to revisit it and do a I Finally Beat with that story um, for my channel and actually finish Majora's Mask. Um, 
but yeah, it's out there now. You do need the Switch Online expansion pack to play it, but um, just in case you know you're not paying close enough attention, I wanted to let you all know that that is now available. Because um, uh, a lot of people like it more than Ocarina of Time, which uh, if I can admit something to you, I haven't beat Ocarina of Time either. I watched my friend beat it. I don't know if that counts, but uh, one summer we would like hang out every day and I was like over at his house and we would play, but he was playing and I was kind of hanging back and like watching him play. Um, but that is out there. To piggyback off of this though, Nintendo appears to have improved Switch Online's N64 emulation. And I should say that both of these stories are from Nintendo Life. Um, uh, great little website for Nintendo news. Um, now, for people that don't know, people have been looking at the Switch Online's Nintendo 64 games and have noticed that the way that they're emulating them has had issues. So... It looks like Nintendo has done something to try to correct the situation. So let's dive into the story here. Um, this article is by Liam Doolin. Um, when Nintendo first launched its excuse me, when Nintendo first launched its expansion pack tier in Switch Online, Nintendo 64 emulation was accused of not matching the original experience. Since then, Nintendo has released some updates to improve certain games on the Nintendo 64 service, and now the latest one, bumping the service up to version 2.0 and adding The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, has apparently delivered even more fixes and improvements. As highlighted by data miner Oatmeal Dome, the, the fog has been added back to games like Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Um, and they show pictures where the fog has been added, um... I can scroll down so y'all can see those. Uh, let's go ahead and open that up. Yeah, so it, I, I guess this is closer in line to um, what Ocarina of Time looked like. I mean, this is what I remember it looking like. So um, for those that are interested, that's what's going on there. Um, they also show they've added fog back to uh, Chocobo, or uh, sorry, Chaco Mountain in Mario Kart 64 and the final picture is from the forest temple entrance. Um, and you know, it's weird because the volumetric fog I think is, is there for like draw distance purposes. Um, even though, you know, the cart based games, I don't think have to load like that. So it's interesting. I, d I don't remember the 64 having load screens. I feel like that was like one of the big things that it had going for it. And so I don't know if volumetric fog in these games is more of just like a tone thing and less of a like a draw distance, you know, to hide pop in and other things like that. It, I think it may just be for the sake of like a tone or an atmosphere. Um, so to kind of see that stuff there. Is pretty cool. And it looks like uh, Paper Mario also used to have a bug where if you died with Watt as your partner, it would crash the app, and now the bug has been patched. So if you've been playing Paper Mario and you notice that, maybe now's the time to jump back in. Um, and looks like there were patches added to Banjo-Kazooie, but with uh, no details on that. So... Um, it's cool that Nintendo's going through and updating some of these things because I think a lot of people were afraid that they were just going to upload them like this and then 
that was going to be it and that's how they were going to definitively be on the plot on the service and so to see them going through and kind of fixing that stuff is pretty cool um it's a shame that they even have to do that and it wasn't just done correctly the first time but i'm sure that they i think nintendo kind of does like a uh ask for like forgiveness not permission kind of thing even though they, they wouldn't need to ask for permission to do anything on their own platform and service but they kind of just do things and then go well we'll fix it and most people will kind of just like let it go um and for the most part nintendo fans do just kind of let it go you don't see nintendo the nintendo audience get too upset at them outside of like maybe like voice chat and a few other things and and closing the 3DS eShop and the Wii U eShop from last week. That was a bit of a train wreck. But, um, yeah, N64 emulation is improved. I think, you know, if they expand into doing GameCube and Game Boy Advance games, I feel like they're going to get it right out the gate because of the kind of the uh, like PR storm that was them pulling the 3DS and Wii U eShops in the first place. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Because uh, I feel like most people, I mean, there's a lot of 3DS and Wii U games that people are like, no, but for the most part, it seems like the virtual console is what people are upset about. So hopefully those things make their way over to the Switch Online game library. And uh, yeah, that would be really cool. And they're done right, like uh, like from the beginning, from Jump Street. Moving on to the next story. Night Dive Studios wants to remaster titles like Eternal Darkness, but hasn't had any luck with Nintendo. This story is also from Liam Doolin over at Nintendo Life. Um, Night Dive Studios has shot to fame in recent years, remastering classics like Turok, Shadow Man, and most recently the Sega Saturn and PlayStation Classic, Power of Slave Exhumed. Um, as much as it loves revising these sort of games, there's still one company in particular it would like to help out. And that's Nintendo. According to SEO Stephen Kick, Night Dive has had discussions with Nintendo but about remastering certain classic titles, but hasn't had any luck convincing it. Uh, Kick further explains how Night Dive has been shunned even after it was the first uh, one to release Nintendo 64 games on the Switch. Excuse me. I uh, had lunch right before recording, and I make that mistake too often. Um... And this is a quote from Kick, I believe. Um, We've had discussions with Nintendo over the years about remastering a number of their games, and they always get gun-shy working with third-party developers, even after Night Dive Studio released the first N64 games on their platform. So, if this talented studio could remaster a Nintendo game, what would it be? Well, for Night Dive CEO, it would actually be the psychological horror action-adventure Eternal Darkness which was released on the GameCube in 2002. The whole, um, he says, uh, oh, I already read the quote. My apologies. Yeah, and that Eternal Darkness is number one on his list. Um, you know, I've never played Eternal Darkness, uh, but it would be cool, you know, if, if Night Dive is known for bringing N64 games to the Switch and then they added all the stuff with the expansion pack and uh, the online service. It would be cool if they tested the waters with something like it, with like a GameCube game before bringing everything over. But maybe they have a plan in place and that's why. Who knows? But anyway, the article goes on to say, This whole conversation came up in response to a comment on Twitter about Nintendo driving fans toward piracy after the announcement of its eShop closures this week. With Night Dive Studios' 
CEO suggesting his studio could perhaps improve the situation by remastering some of Nintendo's classics. While Night Dive might not have been, or sorry, while Night Dive might not have had much luck here, Nintendo has arguably become little more open, a little more open-minded when it comes to allowing third-party teams to work on its IP. For example, the upcoming release, Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp, is developed by Way Forward, the creator of Shantae. And last year's award-winning game, Metroid Dread, was once again handled by the third-party Spanish developer Mercury Steam. Um, you know, it, it does seem that Nintendo has been kind of like opening up their, uh, like letting some of that control go. I think, but I would imagine they are really vetting these studios and uh, making sure they make the right choices. And I mean, someone like Mercury Steam, who I believe worked on Metroid Fusion, kind of seemed like a no-brainer. Um, and they hit, knocked it so far out of the park that um, that, that bodes well. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, sorry, I, I started thinking about Metroid Prime 4 like in the middle of that. But, um, I, you know, in, in terms of... Um, night dive studio um hopefully they get to do some of this stuff um although like um you know i haven't played eternal darkness if they got to do that if if that's at the top of the ceo's list um he's probably like super passionate about that game and having people remaster games that they're really passionate about usually turns out pretty good so that could be exciting but moving on to the next story Detective Pikachu 2 is still in the works, apparently. Um, this article is also from Nintendo Life, written up by Kate Gray. Um, the article reads as follows. You may know that Detective Pikachu was a surprisingly high-budget movie with Ryan Reynolds, a lot of CGI, and that uncomfortable scene with a Mr. Mime. But you may not have known that it was a spin-off of a 3DS game because it didn't sell massively well, at least not in comparison to its bigger, older sibling, the Pokemon series. But there's a sequel in production aiming for a Nintendo Switch release that's going to um, that's going that's been going on since at least 2019. You might be wondering what happened to it. Did it get shuffled quietly into the shadows after the movie came out? But it turns out that the game is still in development. It's just been quiet. Um, there is a quote here from who's it from? Um, one of the programmers uh, that says, I am in charge of programming around drawing in the, in the, sorry, around, I am in charge of programming around drawing in the project related to the sequel to Detective Pikachu. And at the environment, environment development office, I am creating a mechanism that will be the basis for future games production in general. If you liken a project to cooking, it's our job to create a pressure cooker to complete it in a short time and deliciously. Um, you know, I haven't played Detective Pikachu, but anybody that watched the review discussion of Pokemon Legends Arceus with Eugene Schaffmeyer, we talked about how Nintendo kind of wants to do these one-two punches where there's like a, a main entry and then also something else to go in with uh, Pokemon games and Legend of Zelda games and they kind of want to do like one each game and we speculated that you know just like how they did new Pokemon Snap they may do like a new Pokemon Stadium or um, something to that effect and I think Detective Pikachu kind of slots into that spot so this could be one of those games that fits in you know in the meantime while they're working on the next Legends game or um, the next 
traditional Pokemon RPG, um, which, you know, I've been trying to think outside of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, you know, the next remake, I guess, if they were going to do that, would be X and Y. No, sorry. Oh, my God. Um, Black and White. And I've been thinking about that. And I don't think they're going to do that. I wonder if they're going to, like, if Game Freak proper is going to work on the next Legends game. And if they're going to let ILCA make their own Pokemon game. Like a traditional Pokemon game. With oversight from Game Freak, obviously. But, um, I'll be interested in that. To see, one, how does that turn out? Do they keep the chibi art style, um... And in the meantime, while the, while that is being developed and the next Pokemon Legends Arceus is being developed, will things like Detective Pikachu 2 and like new Pokemon Stadium and things like that um, kind of bide time until that stuff's ready? I think even if they can buy some time by putting like um, Game Boy Advance and like GameCube games on um switch online service including pokemon games in those would uh help a lot in buying them some time to work on those next bigger projects and i think you know detective pikachu while it's like a cool idea and there's like the movie tie-in and all of that i don't think it's one of their major things so to me it's more of like a new pokemon snap kind of like inclusion thing like they're just gonna like it, it enriches the library of Pokemon games and does something a little different, um, but who knows? It, it's nice to know that there's still one out there, and you know, if you want to get a copy of the original Detective Pikachu, you better do it quick because um, you don't have much longer to make that purchase, um, and because of the closure of the eShop. But yeah, if you wanted to know, there is that. Moving on to the next story. Um, Next Level Games is working on Mario Strikers Battle League. And we talked about Next Level Games briefly earlier as they were acquired by Nintendo last year. Um, This article is from Nintendo Everything. It was written by Brian uh, over there. No last name given. He's at N-E underscore Brian on Twitter. Um, The article reads as follows. As many had suspected, Next Level Games is indeed working on Mario Strikers Battle League. A few major Switch games were announced during the most recent Nintendo Direct this month, including Mario Strikers Battle League. However, there's been a little bit of curiosity as to which team is developing the project. Super Mario Strikers came out on the GameCube in 2005, and it it was created by Next Level Games. The studio then returned for Mario Strikers Charged on Wii in 2007. It's obviously been a very long time since then, and we're now getting Mario Strikers Battle League on Switch more than a decade later. Next Level Games has worked on all sorts of Nintendo games and properties since the series' latest entry. There's been Punch-Out! on Wii, a couple of Luigi's Mansion games, and Metroid Prime Federation Force. As many had assumed, though, Next Level Games is back on board for Mario Strikers Battle League. The information comes directly from a new listing that was added to the Australian classification database a few days ago. Um, and this article was posted, what, February 21st. Um, Next Level Games is clearly listed as the author, while Nintendo is the publisher. 
Um, what that means is that the title is in good hands. <laughs> and Mario Strikers Battle League launches on Switch June 10th. I'm really looking forward to this because recently I was thinking about Sega Soccer Slam. I don't know if anybody remembers that game, but I I loved it. I had it off, I had a friend that had it on GameCube and we played it there. And then I was um somebody like gave me a bunch of PS2 games and included with it was Sega Soccer Slam, and I haven't had a chance to play it uh in over a decade. Maybe even like a decade and a half. It's been a really long time. And I recently realized it was available on Xbox as well. So it was on all platforms. Uh, I checked and it's not backwards compatible, but it's a, you know, like a three team, a three member team soccer game, like an arcade style soccer game. And Mario Strikers always seemed like Nintendo's answer to that. Either, you know, I'm not sure which came first. I have a feeling Sega Soccer Slam came before, but Mario Strikers kind of fills that, that niche. And, um, I really enjoy that style of soccer game and, um, I'm looking forward to Mario Strikers Battle League a lot, actually. Um, I feel like it's going to be a fun game to play with friends that, you know, we might enjoy a sports game, but uh, don't care about, like, FIFA or anything like that. And um, I also want to play, like, uh, Mario Golf Super Rush. And, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to kind of diving into all of that stuff. So... Um, it's good to know that the studio that originally made it is working on the sequel. Um, so we've got that to look forward to. There's a Nintendo is about to have everybody focuses on Xbox and PlayStation. And I think last year was like Xbox's year. And this year, a lot of people, including myself, have kind of been looking at it like, ooh, this is going to be PlayStation's year. But when you really stop and think about it, I think it's Nintendo's year. They have so many dope games in the pipeline and as long as nothing gets messed up things really bode well for them um I'm, I'm really looking forward to 2022 for nintendo and i'm so glad that i get to cover it from so many aspects um in terms of my content um i'm really going to make a push to start covering more nintendo stuff i just had before i started uh writing for lords of gaming I just had a, like a bunch of really good ideas come to me, like the Sunset Overdrive retrospective, the Days Gone retrospective. Um, I wanted to do Splinter Cell Chaos Theory for fi I finally beat, and um, you know I have this like Elden Ring project coming up, and then I want to take some time to play Horizon uh, Forbidden West, mostly because I know that I'm gonna have to have that for like a top five games of 2022 or like game of the year discussion stuff. So I need to make sure I've played it and make time for it. But then throughout the rest of the year, I really have carte blanche to kind of rethink my production schedule. And so I'm still going to do things that I feel called to do. Um, but, you know, I'm looking forward to scheduling to make sure that I make time for a game like Mario Strikers Battle League and really spend some time with it and make sure that I play it at launch and can cover it and, um, that's, that's going to be cool and exciting. And, um, it'll be fun to like play couch co-op with my girlfriend and stuff like that and, uh, get to play the game from all those different aspects. And, uh, yeah, so looking forward to it next up a, uh, quick little piece of news is, um, the latest update for Pokemon it's update 
what's the number on this? 1.2.0 for Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. And I kind of wanted to go through the patch notes really quick just because there are things, um, little fixes and stuff that I think people might be looking for or looking forward to. Um, so let's just touch on those really quick. It came out February 21st. Um, union room functions have been expanded. The maximum number of players that you can play with via local or internet com communication in union rooms has been increased. Also, by selecting greeting or capsule decorations, you can show each other your trainer cards or capsule decorations. Um, additional Coliseum battle feature has been added. Enter the Coliseum on the second floor of a Pokemon Center to battle with other players with custom rule sets, which is really cool. Um, in the Coliseum, you can set rules such as number of Pokemon to send into battle as well as their levels and play single battles, double battles, or multi-battles via local or internet communication. Super cool. Um, I can't wait to, because I played Pokemon, well, let me finish these patch notes and I'll circle back. Um, Pokemon trading and battles um, is the last piece. Uh, some Pokemon acquired via unintended methods or illicit modification now cannot be used in link trades or link battles. They've also fixed some issues for a more pleasant gameplay experience. Um, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, I did a video for it, which caused me to kind of rush through the game. And I, there's part of me that really wishes that I could replay like a like a copy of Shining Pearl and replay the game without the like without having to rush to finish it or uh, have such a harsh rule set enforced the entire time. Uh, there's a video on that where it's uh, I made Pokemon Brilliant Diamond way harder, um, and it, you know I think it's an interesting video and I'm happy I did it because it did it was a fun way to play the game but I, I would like to play it with uh, um kind of how I would traditionally play a game and like that and uh, get to like, you know, unfortunately I feel like there's not a lot of people these days that like, you know, you know, I'm not on the bus with everybody that's like playing Pokemon Emerald at the same time. And we're not like hanging out on the bus battling each other like we used to, um, you know, I, you know, I'm t almost 29 years old. I, I don't have very many people to play Pokemon with, but I would like to, battle and trade with people and do things like the Coliseum roll sets and stuff like that. And it's cool that they've added all this stuff. Cause anybody, you know, I, I, I think of like somebody that may be on a bus going to school, playing switch on the way in, uh, having access to like battle people on the bus and stuff like that is probably pretty cool. So I hope that stuff like that is going on out there. Cause like I used to, when Mario Kart DS came out, me and my friends or like just people at school would trade ghosts. Like it was like a, kind of like a crazy thing like we would set time trial ghosts on like cheap cheap beach or something and like trade that to each other and someone would set like the definitive like best lap and then we would like everybody would be working to try to beat it and eventually someone on like myspace would like post like a bulletin and be like i beat i beat so-and-so's uh ghost on whatever track and then the next day at school we would all like trade that uh, that track over to each other and then try to beat it. And, uh, it was like this weird race and, uh, to see who could beat each other's tracks and stuff like that's really cool. And I wish I <laughs> had a community, uh, like hopefully this podcast can build to the point where there's a community where we can do stuff like that. That would be really cool, but we'll see who knows. Um, moving on to the next story. It's kind of a quick one. 
Uh, Pokemon wins License of the Year at the 2022 Toy of the Year Awards. Uh, this article is from My Nintendo News by Sicker or Sickr. I'm not sure how they pronounce their name, but the article reads as follows: The Pokemon Company International announced, or yeah, announced today that the Pokemon brand has been awarded with License of the Year at the at the Toy Foundation's 2022 Toy of the Year Awards, um, known as the quote unquote Oscars of the toy industry. The annual uh, TOTY awards recognize the top toys, games, and children's properties with winners decided by votes cast by the public and industry based on a pool of finalists determined by expert judges. The coveted license of the year award is selected for the intellectual property success in product development and merchandising. Um, the statement from the director of licensing at the Pokemon company international said at the Pokemon company international, <clears throat> excuse me, at the Pokemon Company International, we aim to deliver the joy of Pokemon to fans around the world through our products and being recognized as the license of the year at the 2002, or sorry, 2022 Toy of the Year Awards is a wonderful way to celebrate the culmination of a landmark 25th anniversary year for the brand and its partners. We look forward to giving broad global audiences more ways to engage with the property through exciting collaborations and merchandise. Um, you know, uh, let's see what all is left in this. Not a whole lot. So, you know, Pokemon did have an incredible year. Um, and I think 2022 looks to be even better, you know, cause you look at the success that Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl had, and, uh, it did really well. And then not, not even like, or like, I don't even think like three months later, Pokemon uh, Legends Arceus comes out and dominates and looks to be a game that, you know, will probably remain really high on the year's like uh, sales. And uh, maybe I wonder where its critical reception is going to lie and if Pokemon Legends Arceus is going to be hanging around for like game of the year discussions that i really wonder because like with uh forbidden west and now elden ring which is just like killing and dominating um outside of the pc uh, release now that fans are playing it there's a lot of complaints in that regard um but i wonder you know um uh, toy of the year is a great award for merchandise and everything but i wonder where Legends Arceus is going to fall in terms of game of the year. Um, but, you know, shout out to them. Pokemon is as strong as ever. We've been reading articles about how um, their sales are higher than they were at like their peak. And I think that was in like 2001 or like 2000 or 2002. I forget what year it was exactly, but uh, Pokemon's crushing it. Um, and so things are looking up. I just... uh you know, hopefully the games can get a little bit more love and attention and polish, uh, going forward. I know a brilliant diamond and shining pearl look really pretty, but I noticed like some like movement stuff where like getting around corners was a little finicky. And, uh, you know, I chalked that up to maybe ILCA working on it. And then legends Arceus comes out and it's performance is kind of weak. And I know that I think there's been like patches since then that I need to check out. 
um, because I still haven't completed all the post-game content because once I thought I was done, I started my next project and I like to give my projects and games in particular my undivided attention. Um, I, I never really have multiple games going on all at the same time. Uh, unless like, like right now I'm playing, uh, the last of us part two with my girlfriend cause she had never played it. Um, uh, but that's like maybe like once a week we sit down and put in like an hour and a half into it and we're just slowly chipping our way through it. Um, but that's just more of like a fun thing. Um, but anyway, Pokemon, uh, shout out to you for killing it. We'll see how 22 shapes up and we'll see where it falls in terms of uh, Legends Arceus in the Game of the Year discussion. Next up, Mario Golf Super Rush wins DICE's Sports Game of the Year Award, which we were just talking about uh, Mario Golf Super Rush. And um, this is, you know, this article is by Nintendo Life. Uh, Liam Doolin wrote it, by the way. Um, You know, we talk, like you, you would think that what you know air quotes a proper sports game would be the sports game of the year but i i i like it when games like mario golf super rush win because personally i think that they're more fun you know like 2k is huge and people love it and FIFA is huge and people love it. And so is Madden. But to me, you know, those games are like simulation games, which, you know, are great in their own right. And as long as something like Super Rush doesn't come out that year, I think it makes sense for one of these, you know, as long as it really is that good to win the title. But I think like this is really cool and it makes me want to play Super Rush even more. Um but real quick, let's let's read into this because I think there are a couple of other categories that we can kind of touch on. Um, let's see. The DICE Awards 2022 has awarded Mario Golf Super Rush for Nintendo Switch Sports Game of the Year. While the game was arguably a tad underwhelming on release, Nintendo made sure to bolster it throughout the year with plenty of free updates, including both new characters and courses. The competition... Nintendo's title was up against at the DICE Awards included FIFA 22, NBA 2K22, Riders Republic, and The Climb 2. Um, You know, they put out an official tweet. um, And it says, in addition to this, the mobile and Nintendo Switch title Pokemon Unite has received a Mobile Game of the Year award. Um, Other nominees included Behind the Frame, Fanastasian, League of Legends Wild Rift, and Monkage? I'm guessing, sorry, getting a lot of notifications and I was like, maybe someone's texting me about something really important, but it doesn't seem to be, um, really quick. We can run through the other game of the year awards, uh, from, um, the dice awards game of the year. Uh, the winner was it takes two. It was up against death loop inscription, ratchet and clank rift apart and returnal. Um, outstanding achievement animation was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Uh, I kind of agree with them there. Um, its competition was Call of Duty Vanguard, Deathloop, Kena, Bridge of Spirits, and Resident Evil Village. Outstanding achievement in art direction, uh, was also Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I agree with them there again. Uh, the exact same, uh, 
competition, which is odd. <laughs> um, the outstanding achievement in character um, was Resident Evil Village for uh, Lady Lady D. Is it Demet Demetresk? Dimitrescu? I, I, I have no idea. But Lady D is what I'm going to call her. Um, she was up against uh, Deathloop's Colt Vaughn. Um, Kana Birds of Spirits is Kana. Uh, Life is Strange True Colors, Alex Chen. And Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart's Rivet. Uh, outstanding achievement in original music composition was uh, Returnal. Wow, cool. It was really good. Um, it was up against Deathloop, It Takes Two, Kana Birds of Spirits, and Psychonauts 2. Outstanding achievement in audio design was Returnal. Winner. Hey, right on. I, I agree with that. It was up against Forza Horizon 5, Halo Infinite, It Takes Two, and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Even though, in terms of audio design, Forza Horizon 5 was really good. But anyway, I digress. Um, outstanding achievement in story was Guardians of the Galaxy. Huh. Okay. It was up against Before Your Eyes, Inscription, Psychonauts 2, and The Forgotten City. Uh, outstanding technical achievement was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, it was up against Battlefield 2042 for technical achievement. That's kind of wild. Uh, <laughs> also, Forza Horizon 5, Monkage, which I hope is how you pronounce that. It's either that or Moncage, but I think it's Monkage. Uh, and Returnal. Action Game of the Year was Halo Infinite. It was up against Deathloop, Metroid Dread, Returnal, and The Ascent. Uh, Adventure Game of the Year was Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, it was up against Death's Door, It Takes Two, Psychonauts 2, and Resident Evil Village. Family Game of the Year was Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. It was up against Animal Crossing New Horizons, Happy Home Paradise, Cozy Grove, Mario Party Superstars, and WarioWare Get It Together. Fighting Game of the Year was Guilty Gear Strive. It was up against Melty Blood, Type Lumina, and Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Um, racing Game of the Year was Forza Horizon 5. It was up against F1 2021 and Hot Wheels Unleashed. Uh, Role-playing Game of the Year, Final Fantasy what, 14 and Walker 1. It was up against Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous, Shin Megami Tensei 5, Tales of Arise, and Wildermyth. Or Wildermyth. Not sure. Probably Wild Wildermyth. Sports Game of the Year, Mario Golf Super Rush. Um, strategy Simulation Game of the Year was Age of Empires 4. It was up against Gloomhaven, Griftlands, Inscription, and Loop Hero. Um, immersive Reality Technical Achievement was uh, Lone Echo 2. Uh, it was up against Puzzling Places, Resident Evil 4 VR, Song in the Smoke, and Yuki. Immersive Reality Game of the Year was Lone Echo 2. It was up against Demio, or Demio, not sure. Um, I Expect You to Die 2, Resident Evil 4 VR, and Song in the Smoke. Outstanding Achievement for an Independent Game was Unpacking. It was up against Death's Door, Inscription, Loop Hero, and Sable. Mobile Game of the Year was Pokemon Unite. We talked about that earlier. Um, online Game of the Year was Halo Infinite. Up against Back for Blood, Call of Duty, Vanguard, Final Fantasy XIV, Endwalker, and Knockout City. Outstanding Achievement in Game Design was It Takes Two. Up against Deathloop, Inscription, Loop Hero, and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Outstanding achievement in game direction was Deathloop. Up against Inscription, It Takes Two, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and The Artful Escape. I just wanted to touch on those really quick uh, in case anybody missed it because, you know, I pay pretty close attention to 
uh, gaming news, and I had no idea that the Dice Awards happened. So, who knows? It looks like they announced the winners through uh, tweets. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, next up, smaller piece of news, but I think it's cool. Uh, Nintendo launches official website in Philippines and Malaysia. Um, and the story is per IGN Southeast Asia. Um, and they throw out the question, does this mean the online eShop is coming soon? Um, and this, uh, this is uh, written by Adrian Lai. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. Um, it says, in December last year, Nintendo launched a Thai language Nintendo website as well as an official online store, signaling the company's desire to penetrate and capture the burgeoning gaming market in Southeast Asia. This means that Thai gamers neither have to... Con- or this means that Thai gamers neither have to contend with exchange rates nor make special region accounts to enjoy fair prices on Nintendo software and hardware. And in October last year, Nintendo made its presence official in Southeast Asia with the launch of Singaporean website, or launch of a Singaporean website. Today, Nintendo launched its official website in two more Southeast Asia countries, Malaysia and the Philippines, which is a clear indication of the Japanese company's push to make further inroads into the region. Um, a Nintendo spokes, uh, spoke, sorry, a Nintendo spokesperson in an email told IGN Southeast Asia that we are pleased to provide various information about Nintendo, including Nintendo Switch console, game software, and characters from Nintendo game series to the Southeast Asia region. The company also recently launched an official Nintendo SEA YouTube channel and a Facebook page, which contains various updates about their upcoming games, as well as a slew of new video game trailers. However, it is unclear whether Nintendo has plans to launch the Nintendo eShop in Malaysia and Singapore anytime soon. Um, Hopefully, they get that eShop, because it is a little bit ridiculous to be marketing towards an entire demographic of people, and they have to go through all these weird hoops to purchase your games. That seems a bit silly and kind of nonsensical. Um, but it's cool to see, uh, Nintendo expanding to countries where it previously hadn't been. I, you know, I almost can't believe that a country like Malaysia or the Philippines, you know, had to jump through so many hoops when, you know, I, I, you know, I believe that they are smaller countries, but you know, I mean, um, if the demand is there, expand there, you know? Um, so looks like they've done that. And, you know, if, I happen to have any listeners in the Philippines or Malaysia that didn't get this news. Um, there you go. And, you know, I'll keep my ear out and see if I hear that the eShop has opened. And if it does, I'll uh, report it here. Or, you know, regurgitate the report here, let's be honest. Um, next up, this one's probably going to be really exciting for people. Uh, the story is from Nintendo Life's Liam Doolin. Black Isle Studios is bringing Baldur. Uh, sorry, Black Isle Studios is bringing Baldur's Gate: Dark Alliance 2 to Switch in 2022. Um, the article reads as follows: We heard last year how Black Isle Studios was interested in re- reviving Baldur's Gate: Dark Alliance 2 for modern platforms, and now it's officially been confirmed. In, br- in a brief message over on social media platform Twitter, weird way to say that. Anyway. Uh, Black Isle said the second game in the action RPG series would be coming sooner than you think at some point this year. Here's the full teaser trailer. Um, it's coming. Cool. Let's actually, let's watch this teaser trailer together. If you happen to be on, um, oh, let me mute that really quick. I don't want to have their audio in here and get yanked. Um, if you're on the audio 
only, sorry, uh, but I'll try to talk about what's going on. They're just showing a pretty simple teaser trailer for Baldur's Gate. Um, but if you're on video, then you get to kind of watch it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a super simple trailer just as it's coming out in 2022. They had like some silhouetted characters walking towards the camera while stuff was happening in the background. Um, it says it's also been confirmed that it's coming to PC and consoles. So that's cool. I had a friend that loved Baldur's Gate. And I say friend, but it was like a, like a local neighborhood kid that like I would Beyblade with. <laughs> Actually, fun story. I used to like host Beyblade tournaments at my house in Florida when I was living in Newport Ritchie. And like, I mean, like eight plus kids would come over and we would all just be like Beyblading in the garage and like, uh, had the, the, the like arena on like a stand that was propped up so we could stand and launch into it, uh, which I don't think you were advised to do on the side of the arenas. It's, I think it said to keep it on the ground, but we did that and we had so much fun and this kid would come over all the time and do that. And he lived like a couple doors down from me. I believe his name was Nick. Um, and whenever I would go over to his house, uh, he would be, uh, playing Baldur's Gate, uh, on PS2, I believe. And he loved it. And I never understood it. Uh, it seemed like a, you know, you know, he was younger than me. So I was impressed that he was playing it and like, seemed to really understand it. Um, cause I was more like playing like Sly Cooper and, uh, um, like maybe like Crash Bandicoot, Wrath of Cortex and like, uh, Crash Team Racing and stuff like that. And so, you know, I'm sure that kid was probably smarter than I ever gave him any credit for. Uh, he was also kind of annoying. I remember I got this one Beyblade, uh, and it was like new. It was when they first started putting like magnets into them and you could put the, the, uh, there was like a, a weird thing you could pop all these different magnets into and you could put them underneath the arena. And so you could set up like patterns. Like if you wanted to like try to catch the Beyblade up at the top or like set like little like routes for them to kind of hit, which is kind of like an interesting concept. Um, it was one of those, it was, um, Drigger. Drigger uh, V2 uh, was the name of the Beyblade. I think I have it like in that closet back there. Um, but uh, he, I, I remember I got it for like my birthday or something. And he, when he found out, he stood outside of my front door screaming and crying because he wanted it so bad. And my mom had to like call his mom to come get him. <laughs> uh, but man, Beyblades in like 2002... 2003 like peak and dude I, I i loved living in a neighborhood where not only did we beyblade on like a really cool level like that but like pokemon and like game boy advance and like having people come over and play like n64 and playstation like you always had somebody to come over and i i really enjoyed those times when i moved to the outer banks of north carolina i live you know it's almost the middle of nowhere and um you know people's homes because there's kind of a housing issue here and there always kind of has been everybody would be really spread out and um at the time my aunt and uncle owned a motel where uh me my mom and or my mom my sister and i lived in the manager's apartment at this motel um and i wasn't just inviting random motel guests into the apartment but uh yeah i didn't have very many people to enjoy things with so th at that point 
me enjoying games kind of almost became like a solo affair until online gaming became a thing. But yeah, sorry, I know I derailed a little bit from <laughs> Baldur's Gate, but you know, if you like Baldur's Gate and you want to play it on Switch, looks like that might be a reality sooner than you think. Moving on to the next story, Square Enix is considering creating HD 2D remakes of more Super NES games. Uh, and this story is by Chris Scullion over at Video Games Chronicle. Um, let's see. HD2D is what Square Enix uses to describe the art style given to its Switch games like Octopath Traveler and Triangle Strategy. The style places 2D sprites in a 3D world designed to look like an HD take on the Super NES era. Sorry, as reported by Famitsu during a new radio show on Square Enix's Japanese YouTube channel, developers working on Triangle Strategy confirmed that Square Enix president Yosuka Matsuda wants the studio to use the art style to remake Super Nintendo games. This includes a remake of uh, Japan-only Super Famicom release uh, Live Alive, which was announced during the last Nintendo Direct presentation and reimagines the 16-bit original in the HD 2D art style. The president ordered us, sorry, the president ordered us to make more use of HD 2D, so we decided to think about remakes of past titles. Uh, producer Tomo, Tomo, Tomoya, oh my God, Tomo, Tomoya, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Tomoya Asano said, so we lined up p- possible titles and thought and thought about which could be done in the HD 2D and brought them to the president. Asano continued, The list included titles released by Square and Enix for the Super Famicom. Remember when Square and Enix were two different companies? (laughs) Uh, Ones which were suitable for HD 2D, ones which were unsuitable for it, and ones which were impossible to play, like Mahjong games. Um, Or Mahjong, sorry. Uh, We lined up all of them and made a presentation that Live Alive was the most suitable, and second place was ActRaiser. A modern remaster of ActRaiser was released on Switch in 2021, named ActRaiser Renaissance. It also presents the game in a new art style, though it's not clear whether Square Enix counts it as HD 2D, or whether that term is specifically for games like Octopath Traveler, Triangle Strategy, and Live Alive. Um, This is really cool, because... You know, these games, I, I always appreciated the pixel art style, um, but I think that this HD 2D aesthetic has drawn me into games that I wouldn't typically want to play or feel like a desire to play. And like, I remember looking at Octopath Traveler and being like, terrible name, but awesome art style, looks cool. And I never got around to playing it, but when I saw... Um, Triangle Strategy, I feel the same way, and I'm thinking I may try to play Triangle Strategy. Um, I know the demo's out there, and I thought about maybe playing that, but I kind of want to wait for the full release and see if it slots into my content creation schedule or where I can fit it in. But this is exciting. I think for a lot of people, like, you know, if they make a Chrono Trigger in HD2D, dude, that's me so cool. I mean, especially with games like Sea of Stars coming out. Um, those style of games are still really popular and I think people really do appreciate the art style and people really like this HD 2D kind of thing so this is going to be cool I look forward to seeing more stuff come back and especially if I get to play some games that I ne- like didn't have access to back in the day 
Um, if I can finally get my hands on those, that's really cool. And I look forward to that. Last story of the day is kind of an interesting one, uh, but also kind of a silly one. Gex, the forgotten 90s video game mascot, might be making a comeback. And this is per Nintendo Life. Uh, Liam Doolin wrote the article. I think we heard rumblings of this last year um, because a trademark was filed for Gex in Europe, and now it's been filed in Japan. Um, This is uh, how the original story reads. Gex, one of the many forgotten video game mascots of the 90s, could potentially be making a comeback. Following on from Square Enix announcing in 2015 that it would allow developers to create games based on older IDOS IP as part of the Square Enix collection project. The company has now filed a trademark for Gex in Europe. Um, And so now they have filed, filed the same trademark in Japan. And Gex... Gex is one of those games that, like, I remember going to friends' houses and playing and never owned a copy for myself, and then, like, going to a Blockbuster and renting it for myself and playing it and kind of being like, I like this, but I don't have the time to really sink into it and really try to play it, but I'm a sucker for HD platformers and, or, sorry, not HD platformers, but um, 3D platformers, and Gex falls right into one of those areas, and I think mascot platformers will always kind of be cool and will always speak to me. Like I'm really looking forward to KO the kangaroo and I see anything like that, like ratchet and clank, you know, if they bring back Sly Cooper, like I'm there day one, I will be making videos about it. Just freaking out. Uh, so even something like Gex, if that comes out, like I'm going to check that out. Uh, especially if it's like a remake and I can, do like a I finally beat and do it off of uh, the Gex remake. That could be really cool. But uh, further uh, to, to even further the speculation, the fact that we could be getting another Gex and that they are filing trademarks in Japan as well now um, bodes well for that potential reality. So we'll uh, keep our finger on the pulse and see how that goes. But that was uh, the last news article for the day. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I had a little bit of a headache that has slowly receded and has finally kind of gone away. So I apologize if I seemed a little like distant uh, throughout this episode, but I wanted to make sure I recorded and didn't use like a headache as an excuse to not do it. Um, but that was the news. Um, moving on to what I'm playing. Um, I've been making my way through Days Gone and, you know, I don't think I'm going to beat it for this retrospective because I don't think it's completely necessary. Um, I kind of, you know, kind of have my thoughts put together on it. Um, and I remember beating it and, you know, um, it's an interesting game and I'm going to talk about it more in my retrospective, but, um, it, once you get into the gameplay, outside of like a couple of hiccups that I ran into along the way, it is a really good game. And I don't think it deserves the score that it has on like Metacritic or open critic. Um, excuse me, man, I got to stop eating lunch right before I record this podcast. Um, I think, you know, it's a shame that Ben studio wasn't given another shot with days gone. But at the end of the day, I think it, it, it's clear why 
PlayStation didn't want them to. Um, and I'll get into that more in the retrospective. And, you know, by the time this goes live, my retrospective should be done. Um, when I get done recording this episode and editing it and just preparing it to upload, um, I'm going to continue editing. I'm not halfway done with it. I'm at like seven minutes and some change out of like a 23 minute retrospective. So I've got a ways to go, but, um, making good progress on it. And, uh, if you want to kind of take a little deeper dive into days gone, especially if you didn't get to play it or you played it and enjoyed it, um, you know, it's a decent, like, um, like I did a lot of research and, uh, put together something I'm pretty proud of. So I'm looking forward to putting that out. And as soon as I get done with that, I get to start Elden Ring and I've never played a Souls game. So, uh, this is going to be like my first Souls game and let that be a hint as to what video I could be working on for Elden Ring. Um, and you know, what's good about, you know, you know, I, I want to circle back to Horizon Forbidden West, but I, I think it's good that there's a little lull period just in case this Elden Ring video takes longer than I anticipated. Um, because I've heard some people say they're like 50 hours into the game and, uh, don't feel like they're even close to beating it. So that's, <laughs> I heard that today and it got me a little worried. I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to really, uh, really put some time in, but that's really what I've been playing. Um, I've dabbled a little bit in Cuphead. I think I want to make a video on that. Like maybe I, a, I, uh, finally beat at some point, uh, when I get the time, um, cause it's a really cool game and I wish I could have done it for around the time where the show came out, but I just had other projects that were, were a little, little more, uh, demanding, uh, that I do it then, especially when I feel called to make a video, it's like, do it. Don't put it off and do something that you're not necessarily feeling called to make when, uh, just because it's timely, you know? Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I'm playing outside of also dabbling in a little, the last of us part two with my girlfriend, but for switch it up this week, I have a game that probably is no surprise to anybody that's been listening to this episode. It's legend of Zelda Majora's mask. Uh, you do need the expansion pack to play it, but I think that because, you know, it's the latest release on the platform what better week to suggest people play it than now um man looking at this now it, it's weird usually i can see old footage from a game and it'll bring back all sorts of memories from playing it but i think that that one day where i played majora's mask um i didn't retain anything and so i look at this and i'm kind of like what like this does none of this looks familiar to me and I don't understand it at all. Um, other than like the, I, I remember the moon, um, the, the, like the time that you have to make all this stuff happen. Um, and I want to revisit it. This is a, I, I finally beat idea as well. Like I want to finally play and beat Majora's mask and understand it a little bit more deep or deeply than I had previously. Cause you know, Nintendo games are special and each one of them has its own unique merits. And I think it's important for somebody that's, you know, basically played every game that I think people would suggest one should play on the Nintendo front outside of things in like the Wii and Wii U era. Um, 
and I would say like maybe my only other really big blind spot is uh, never playing Super Mario Sunshine. But I have a copy of Super Mario 3D All-Stars that I want to get into eventually. So eventually I'll circle back and make videos on all this stuff. But yeah, um, Majora's Max looks, Mask looks really cool. Uh, the The proper exp- like description for it is, Upon landing in the mystical world of Termina, Link must embark on an urgent quest to solve the mystery of the moon, save the world from destruction, and find his way back to the peaceful land of Hyrule in just three days. Use the ocarina's power to manipulate time and plan your schedule as you solve mind-boggling puzzles and dungeons. Um, yeah, really cool. You do need the expansion pack, like I said, but, you know, with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course coming out and the, um, you know, the access to Sega Genesis and other N64 games, you know, the expansion pack is ever growing. And while I find it hard to suggest in most cases, um, cause it's not like a game pass service, um, proper, um, it's Nintendo's answer to it. And it seems to be where they're going to be moving all of these virtual console experiences. So if you want to take part in it, that's going to be the way to do it. And if you want to do it now and get in now, cool but if you want to wait until like game boy advance and gamecube games maybe come to the service um not it i think that makes total sense and is a reasonable um thing to do uh but that's pretty much it folks uh that was episode 11 of me myself and i a nintendo podcast bit of a shorter episode than i've done in the last couple of weeks but uh that might be refreshing to most people it feels like um, this week just, it didn't have as much kind of like big crazy news. And this is more par for the course. Just the last couple of weeks were like a review discussion. And then, uh, an episode where I made up for like two weeks worth of news. So it was a little packed. Um, but, uh, thank you so much for listening again. If you enjoy the show, you can, sh- uh, show your support by simply following the show on your podcast service of choice, listening every week. Uh, you can subscribe to Hitbox Detective on YouTube. That's where I upload the video component of the podcast and upload other gaming-related videos. And also, you can follow me on Twitter at Hitbox Detective. Um, if you would like to write into the show with listener questions, comments, and concerns, you can email me at memyselfandi.pod at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on the YouTube videos or tweet at me at Hitbox Detective. I would really like to add a segment where I get to answer questions, comments, and concerns, so please do not hesitate to write in. Even if you're the only person that writes in, um, I would really love to do it and uh, open the format up to other people uh, to suggest things. But again, thank you so much for your support. Take care of yourselves, and remember, leave luck to the heavens. Thank you.